Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. We should be leaders who follow and feed our convictions. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. So glad you could be with me. And I trust these times together are yielding some fruit. Hey, I wanted to ask you if you followed up on our last lesson, I challenged you to maybe reach out to somebody that you hadn't seen in months or years even, uh, people that you felt good about in your life or healthy relationships, and you just wanted to remind them that you cherished that relationship. But if you haven't done that, hey, get on it and let's get her done, okay? This is going to be the last segment of this lesson taken from chapter 18 of my book, page 128 to be specific, the book I wrote called The God Who Intervenes. If you haven't uh, got a copy of that book, I'd encourage you to get it on the NRP webpage. I think it's definitely worth reading. And chapter 18, I, I just listened seven lessons uh, that I learned. Uh, like, what is the summation uh, of 40 plus years of ministry? Uh, what are the things I learned? And so in the last six lessons, on leadership in context, I've talked to you about those six things. So this is number seven, okay? And it's called Follow and Feed Your Convictions, an important part of spiritual growth. Uh, at our Bob South conference just recently, I had to fill in for one of the, the guys who was uh, down with some COVID symptoms, and so I had to jump into his workshop and his workshop was uh, preparing for ministry. And so in that workshop, I listed seven things, and maybe I'll teach that lesson here to you someday. I listened, I listed seven things that are a mark of a called person, somebody that God has separated. And one of those was to some degree the same point I'm making with you here today, that that person has deep and abiding personal convictions, and here's the kicker, that they do not make dogma to other people. In other words, we should all have certain biblical convictions, okay? Uh, but then there are just certain lifestyle convictions. The book of Hebrews says that we should lay aside the sins and the weights that so easily beset us or trip us up or stumble us. So what may be a weight for you would not be a weight for me, okay? And the illustration I always give is when I was a kid, when I was a young man, I was a boxer. I loved the box. I loved the sport. I knew the history of it. I knew the fighters. Uh, I really enjoyed boxing as a sport. And uh, one day, not long after I was saved, maybe about two years probably, I was watching a boxing match and just one of those Holy Spirit moments in my life, I just felt like the Lord said, you're done with this. And I turned off the TV and I've never watched another boxing match since. And I don't go around telling people they can't do it, okay? I just know that was a personal conviction that the Lord breathed into my life. And, uh, you know, God is smarter than me. Maybe he will, uh, uh, was trying to, avert me from some potential disaster. I should mention that, you know, boxing is a very gambling-oriented sport, and so I was uh, in on the gambling aspect of it too. So I, 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 it's not hard for me to imagine 
that the Lord was saving me a lot of grief, uh, but it's it's something that I really, really enjoyed. And uh, I just felt like the Lord said, you know, you need to lay this down. And it's just become a personal conviction. And I look for men that have little personal convictions in life. They're just things they do or they don't do, not just lifestyle adjustments or, you know, preferences, but deep abiding convictions, okay? So, you know, you have to feed your convictions too. If you believe strongly about something in the scripture, it's important that you feed that because the enemy will attack that very point. You know, we see all these people in this deconstructivism now, it's called deconstruction, where they're throwing their faith away. And I'll tell you, I guarantee you those people do not feed their convictions. They were running on yesterday's fuel. And, you know, a, a conviction can turn into a preference if you don't have something to support it. And a preference is great, except the preference doesn't work on a windy day. A preference is good on a sunny day. There are a lot of people that have preferences about not being divorced, but they don't have a conviction because they've never really looked at the scripture and seen how God looks at it and how God looks at marriage and it's his institution. When you have a deep conviction about those things, okay, and think about the word conviction, you know, it's a legal term. So that would be applying evidence to somebody to have their life affected by that conviction. Uh, You know, the Bible says the love of God constrains us, constrains us. The love of God controls us. Our convictions control us. Uh, if there's an area in your life you feel out of control, it's probably because you have a lot of ideas but very few convictions. That was worth quoting. It's probably because you have a lot of ideas and very few convictions. Where do you need to develop convictions from? What about your thought life? Okay, what about your financial life? What about your health? What about serving? You know, those are all areas we talk about, and, and they're great messages, but do you have personal convictions, things that... You know, people could bring evidence against you, say you could tell this person believes this by how they act, and because of that, they're they're going to be constrained. Okay, so we need to feed these things, and part of that is feeding your your intellect. Quite frankly, you know, uh, Romans twelve talks about the renewing of our mind, not the removing of our mind, and so I believe. Christian people should be sharp. And, and part of the reason that you and I today are believers, whether you know it or not, or there were great passionate people that came before us, but there were great thinkers that came before us too, were solid believers who developed uh, the thoughts of the scripture for us and helped us to identify things that are important in the Bible. So you want to feed your intellect. What are you feeding your intellect right now? I mean, for some people, it's you know, the sports page. Well, I mean, I read the sports page, uh, but you know, that's not going to feed your intellect. Uh, it's probably better than just doing nothing, uh, you know, because it makes your mind work a little bit, but it's really not going to feed your intellect. There might be certain debates that happen that'll stir up some thinking and and, and, that, and that's good and enjoyable, but you want to feed your intellect. What, what are you thinking about? What's important to you? Uh, I think even on the political front, I think we have a lot of Christian parrots. Uh, they're parroting the right thing. They're saying the right thing. But why is it the right thing? 
Owning those thoughts, owning those convictions, developing your thinking, reading a book about that. Of course, the scriptures are the number one book, but there are other really great books. You know, one of the things, uh, not so long ago, uh, a matter of fact, a lot of times I get asked for like, what are books you recommend? And so one day, a couple years ago, I just sat down and off the top of my head, I wrote a list. And uh, that list is on the NRP webpage under resources, I believe it is. And I wrote that list and it was surprising to me that as a young believer, some of the books I read, and I really credit that to this day to develop my thinking. You know, I read The Cost of Discipleship by Bonhoeffer when I, when I was a new Christian. I read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis when I was a new Christian. I read Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Uh, when I was a, a new Christian, I read the Archipelago Gulag uh, when I was a new Christian. The, these are books that develop your thinking. And, and I guarantee you, I probably didn't understand a, a tenth of what I was reading the first time I read through those things. But my mind was being renewed to God's government and God's laws and God's rules and what God wanted to do on earth. So you've got to You've got to feed your convictions. You're being pounded with all kind of information all the time. And uh, it, it's good to feed things that, you know, edify us, and, and that's important. But I'm talking about really working through why you believe some of the deep things that you believe. There are things that I hold very precious, very deep. I have deep convictions about them. And I've maintained them because I've fed them. And, you know, the natural tendency for people is to become more loose or liberal, not in the political sense, but that applies too, as they get older because they get away from the things that were forming their thoughts. But the people that keep sharpening their intellect, uh, number one, again, through the scripture, uh, are important. And one of the ways you sharpen your convictions, by the way, of course, is acting on them. Not just proclaiming them, but acting on them. Ask yourself this question. If you were to list three or four very important things that you feel strongly convicted about right now, what have you done to sustain them, not only in your own life, but to share them with other people? I think, uh, I think sharing them with other people is important. 1 Timothy 1.9 says this, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Not, I think we're good at exhorting them, but I think often we're not able to have a real biblical, intelligent conversation with people and really uh, allow our convictions to really come forward. And uh, I see a lot of believers even that, that kind of are embarrassed about their convictions. They don't speak up about their convictions. And, uh, you know, I've had people ask me about certain things, like the boxing thing. Like, the only time I ever talk about that is to share the illustration. It doesn't make me any better. It doesn't make me any holier. It just makes me branded. See, when God marks you, he seals you. He puts his signet ring on you. You are marked for him as his possession. So, one of those lessons from uh, chapter 18 is follow and feed your convictions. I want to encourage you today to think about this. Maybe have this conversation with somebody close to you. May ask them if you could be convicted, if there's enough evidence uh, about your life to be convicted of anything, okay? I think that's a good challenge for us to hear 
in the time we live in. We need to be salt and light. And I think having the conviction God strengthen us rather than just an emotional uh, preference will get us a lot farther down the road in God's kingdom. Hey, this is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. If you think this might be a blessing to somebody, a friend, you know, hey, just send it off to them and invite them to listen with you. Lord bless. Today, Keith concluded his discussion about lessons he's learned. Lesson number one, anger is a manifestation of selfishness. Lesson number two, slow down. Lesson number three, become a listener. Lesson number four, be a giver. Lesson number five, always be submitted. Lesson number six, cherish people. And finally, lesson number seven, follow and feed your convictions. These lessons and more can be found in his book, The God Who Intervenes, available at nrpastors.com. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.